to Internet Marketing for Humans, digestible internet marketing insight and advice to help you grow your business. Hello, welcome back to Internet Marketing for Humans, and I'm your host, Andrew Laws. And I have a guest this week. I have a friend called Chris Green, who I've known for a while. And as you know, if you listen to the podcast before, I like to gather people around me who are better at things than I am because I think that's a good way to learn. So Chris, would you like to briefly introduce yourself and, and let us know what you're about? <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Um, it's me, what am I? Um, I don't know, there's a sort of a semi-existential crisis about working <laughs> in, in search marketing. Um, I've been in the industry for 10 years or so thereabouts, but sort of I say I've been messing around on the internet for getting on for 15 or 20 years, um, because that's half of my job, I think, um, messing around on the internet. I mm. mean, officially, my, my job title is um, Head of Marketing Innovation, um, work for an agency called Footprint Digital in Colchester. Um, but my background, my skills, my knowledge are sort of search marketing more broadly, so SEO, um, to a lesser extent, paid search, Google Analytics, uh, email marketing, marketing strategy, um, pretty much any marketing that connects with a computer at some point is, is something that I've worked on over the last 10 years, um, is, is the broadest sense of the word. <laughs> Great. I tend to find kind of a lot of people in our industry are the same. We, we sort of know a lot about a lot of things, but then we have kind of pet subjects and things that we, um, we like to specialize on. Now, what we're going to talk about today is search intent, which is something I've, I know you've talked about publicly before, say publicly, yes. <laughs> conferences and whatever. Yeah. You could have a soapbox on, on Ipswich Town Centre and just tell Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Evangelizing about it oh, in the town square. So let's, let's start real basic. What do you mean by search intent? So um, it's something that we kind of take for granted, those in the industry, that we understand what this is. But fundamentally, search intent is having an understanding of, well, what is that person doing when they're looking for you? Um, and typically, search intent implies that someone is interacting somehow with, with Google or another search engine. So whether you, you're, you're saying, OK, Google, or Hey Siri, or you're using a voice command, or maybe you're navigating to google.co.uk or similar, and then typing in something to search for um this question this search um there's something you want to achieve by searching for it um and then the search intent is understanding okay what is that when someone is searching for something what is it that they're looking for um and how can we understand that in better detail um and it's something that um probably preoccupied marketers far less than it should have over the last couple of years but if you're google um that's primarily all they care about whatever we may say about google and the fact they love money and they're now evil and all of the <laughs> other stuff which vastly it could all be true um for all i know but um people won't use google unless google serves content which matches the intent of the people who search um and their kind of over preoccupation around this is something that i mean they're pretty darn good at it they're probably the best in the bunch at being able to say, well, you've searched for this keyword, we'll return you these websites or these um, videos or these resources, um, and that'll often match quite well. Um, so that's broadly, and we can then look to Google to learn more about intent um, via what they're showing rather than having to do all the difficult stuff ourselves. Okay, so does intent, does this just relate to kind of choosing the keywords that you want to rank for? Um, less, sometimes not. I mean, the, the way, so from a search marketing perspective, 
you want to understand search intent to, yeah, it helps in the keyword research process. So you can tell by the phrase or the keyword they're using to search for where they are in the buying cycle. So one of the examples I give is um, if you've got a block drain, you know, you, you've kind of walked down your, um, you know, you're maybe puddling, uh, paddling in a puddle <laughs> in the kitchen. Um, not a good scenario. And, you know, how does someone then start searching for advice, help services, etc.? And the way I like to kind of visualize this is, you know, keyword research is quite often a two-dimensional process. You you kind of you go through you 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 pick keywords that are searched for a lot, and then you put those words on your website. Really, really simply. Mm. However, it doesn't really represent how people actually find things. So, it, the block drain scenario. One of the first things I'm doing is if I've got a block drain, I want to find out is it my job to fix it or is it the water board? You know, depending on where the blockage is, is it on my property? Is it on the main road? Um, so maybe that might be the first search someone sort of makes who's responsible for drains mm. for example so you run that search and you find okay it's me i can't really drop out of this so um, okay i might try and find some drain rods um so you search for drain rods google will try and um, uh try and get you to purchase drain rods from people who sell them but inevitably there'll be videos on how to use drain rods how to unblock your own drain and various bits like that um, now, if you're anything like me, and this is actually a real-life story, because um, it gets real like that, um, <laughs> drain rods, I, it didn't work. I don't know what I'm they, doing. They're, they're grim, to be fair. It's just, it's, it's just it's, a vile thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to stay in the shed, the rods that I bought, and they're not coming back out again. <laughs> but um, from that point, the inevitable failure, I then go, okay, I need someone to come and unblock my drain. So there's either unblock my drain or plumbers in Colchester or, or whatever the search term is. Um, my problem was the same throughout the entire process of all of those searches. My intent is broadly the same. I think that the long-term goal is I needed to unblock my drain, but I didn't know how I was going to achieve that. And why that's really critical for websites is the content that you would need to provide to me at each of those stages would need to be radically different. And arguably, in some situations, you can't necessarily provide the content at every point in that journey or typically businesses feel that they can't be so the most competitive point in any subject is the unblocked drains everyone who has a drainage company or is a plumber they want to rank there because they know that the people that search for that sort of term their search intent is i need a professional service to come and unblock my drains which makes sense but that's also the most expensive point to compete in it's the most difficult from an seo perspective but also paid search gets a lot more expensive too yeah just want to kind of say that obviously we're, we're talking prim primarily about seo here but this, this does relate very closely to paid search as well i mean an example i use and i don't do a ton of, of paid search but i have a negative keyword list so in in the most simple terms google ads you say show my stuff show my adverts to people who put in these these keywords so for drop, uh, block drains, um, the negative keyword list, I'd include things like jobs or, or yeah. something like low cost, perhaps. Because if I've got kind of a, a client who, who is a plumber, then people searching for a job as a plumber are never going to give him money. It's, it's not, it's not a, a useful kind of search thing. I mean, with SEO, I guess Absolutely. you disregard, just disregard kind of those, those kind of terms. Yeah, I think it's that. Yeah, so you can't negative out keywords in organic or SEO, which is a pain, but not really a problem. I think it's just making sure that the content that you have is really, really tailored towards what you can do, and be less worried about what what it is that you can't. I think the 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 element of price around search intent is really, really interesting as well. Um, and I guess it's it's 
when we are optimizing our websites and selecting our keywords and making sure that our content matches our customers is, you know, if you don't want people looking for cheap jobs, um, there are ways you can do that. I think the pricing pages, you know, if you don't want people who are price sensitive to find you, don't put a price page, Mm. for example. And there are bits and pieces like that. Now, I typically... I don't like to put people off from an organic perspective. If you have a query that's not right for you, unless you're having hundreds of these and you can't manage them, actually just invite the conversation because maybe the person doesn't know 100% what they're after. Um, But knowing, okay, well, what... If you search for cheap drain unblocking, how is that Google search result different from if you just search for drain unblocking? You know, Mm -hmm. who's missing from one that is on the other? And actually, uh, a lot of um, what I kind of wave my arms around and point at screens when I'm doing conference talks on this kind of stuff is um, the argument of, well, listen to what Google's saying. Let's ask the search results what Mm -hmm. the intent is. So um, there are lots of tools out there that you can spend hundreds, if not thousands of pounds on that will classify each search term based on, you know, the, it's AI and it will, uh, machine learning, and it will learn, okay, well, this is a buy intent term. This is a knowledge term. All of that stuff's really, really useful. But actually for, for all of us, just Google it and then look. What's there? Yeah. You know, how many ads are there? Is there a shopping block? If it's if Google's trying to put products in your um, search result, it's probably a, a, a term where people want to buy stuff. If there's a map pack, it's people that probably want Sorry, to find something pack. near them. Sorry, Chris, uh, map pack. <laughs> Sorry, ad- acronym watch. Uh, well, it's not really an so, acronym, is it? But you know, not quite nearly. Um, so the map pack is is when there's a map appears within search results and then the, the listings of addresses of businesses who operate. Uh, presumably nearby to you. Um, so whenever you see that map box come up in search results, again, Google's assuming that people want to work with someone locally. Mm. Um, and again, where this kind of stuff is really, really useful is if you're a national kind of brand and you don't have a local presence in, in the sense of a small business person, um, you're not going to be able to compete directly with the local people if Google thinks that local buying inten- intent is useful. Um, mm. And it, you know those kind of things are really worth looking at. And, and actually, if you are a small business owner and you are trying to go up against people who have a massive presence, so uh, in this sort of scenario, the unblocked drains like Dynarod or mm. someone like that is well, you can probably still compete with these really well um, because you know you are in the location that your customers are in. It's going to be difficult when you start setting your sites, you know, the next county over, or you, you decide that you're going to start covering half of England and then wonder why nobody in Cornwall is phoning you up. Um, but that's a that's maybe a different kind of problem. You've touched on something there, which is um, what I kind of think of as punk rock marketing. You know, it doesn't matter how big a brand your competitors are, there's still space. This is the thing that that kind of got me interested in SEO many years ago, that Anyone could start anything, and to a certain extent, you can. You have the same power as as massive multi-million-pound companies because, well, for one thing, those massive companies make mistakes. And we were talking, Chris and I um, were talking before we started recording about how inflexible some very, very large companies can be. So, for example, if you are, I'm not going to keep saying Dynarod, but because <laughs> they did me a solid <laughs> a couple of years ago. But if you you know, if you are someone who unblocks drains and you're looking and there is a massive brand dominating absolutely everything, you can still take away some of their market. There's, there's, it, it's not like it would have been in the fifties if you decided you wanted to start your own cola flavored beverage. And then you looked at Pepsi and Coke and just what's the point that, yeah, there's no point at all. But what's exciting about SEO 
uh, digital marketing as a whole is that you you do have the opportunity. So for one thing, if if you're up against a national. I'm not going to start going through a checklist thing here because this would be deep. But if you're you know, up against multinational for one thing, make sure you've got your Google My Business kind of nailed. Make sure that that's completely sorted. Um, but in terms of search intent, if you are kind of a mom and pop operation, as the Americans might say, and you're up against these massive multinationals, is there anything we can do to sort of find, find some gaps, find, find some way of levering your way into the market? Yeah, I think the... There is, and I think the the key one and the, one of the the learnings, or not the learnings, sorry, one of the things you can look at or need to have in mind is that how these big brands market and how they focus on the local areas can't be with the same granularity and local knowledge as as you can, um, oh. as as that local business. And if you think about it, so um, a, a large organisation will be using their rank trackers to go, okay, where are we showing in Google? for these kind of key terms. And if they're really well organized, they may look in like key towns and cities throughout the country because search results will differ. What they won't necessarily be able to do or they don't often or not effectively is go, okay, well, what about all the villages around a given town or key population center? How well do you rank in each of those? You know, and, and what is the order of ranking in those areas? Um, because actually, you know, um, it's easy to think about Google as you know, 10, roughly 10 organic listings and you've got nine competitors for example, if you're on page one. Um, but you need to multiply that by potentially anywhere that your customer is searching for. Um, so actually, your competitors, you could have hundreds of competitors. In reality, all people that are ranking on page one within your service area. So actually, what you can do is look at, well, using your local knowledge and go, well, how often do you get called out to towns and villages in that space? You know, are there issues? Um, so if we go back to the draining example, you know, anywhere who's off-grid, you know, who isn't attached to mains, you might know where these people are. You might know what these people like to do, whether they like to buy sewage treatment or um, septic tanks, or you might be able to go and actually run marketing directly to those people in ways that, that it just wouldn't make sense to do at a localized level if you're a big brand, just because you, know, you as a, a single supplier may get a lot of money from that one job, but running a national campaign for that might not pay in the way that they'd expect. So you, you can be more nimble and kind of get those jobs at that effect. But the, the other side of things is um, that local knowledge and how quickly you can get out to places, how well you can cover any given area. Obviously, we're, we're staying very firmly with our drainage example oh, yeah. for, conven- for convenience. Um, you know, how, how long does it take you to get out to a job? You know, what, you know, what is the, how tenable is that for you? You don't just compete broad brush. You can compete and aim and target those areas that you really need. And this is kind of a slightly dated tactic, but it still works. Is local area pages to towns, villages, locations. You create a page that talks to those people. Um, and when I say that, I don't just literally mean swap out the location name and, and that's it. Actually talk to those people, you know, mm-hmm. get testimonials from your customers from those places and show them on the website if they're happy to, you know, show that people within that town or even that village, you know, Mrs. Miggins really appreciated the job that we did for her. Um, find out how we can help you too. Or, you know, you're based in this village, we can get out to you in about 30 minutes. You know, those kinds of, and I call that kind of hyper-local elements. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're only running a small area, you can do a really firm, uh, detailed job on that. Whereas if you're running it nationally, you're not going to get that coverage, not quickly anyway. And, and I've worked on big 
projects where they are trying to get national coverage at that level of detail. And um, it's hard. <laughs> it takes a lot of time and effort. And actually, if you're a small supplier and you do a good job um, and you've got your eye on these search results, you can really focus on those key areas that won't be showing up um, to the bigger brands. So I, t- I take it from an SEO perspective, Google gets that somehow? Do they, do they sort of see what, see what you're trying to do? Well, the, the idea of doing the hyper-local changes, so the changes for kind of towns and villages, is, is because the content is different. And the biggest problem with local area pages is how do you make every single area page unique and somehow worthwhile to the people in that area? Because um, very often people try and do local area pages. Um, they're rubbish or they, they, they don't talk about anything of use and they don't focus on what matters. Um, and actually, if we think about the, the buying kind of persona, what people like when they get to that page, you know, is this guy legit? Have they got any bona fide testimonials? Can they get out to me quickly? When are they open? All of the, um, am I going to have to pay call out charges? All of these things that are going through people's minds. Um, but if your local area page says, Colchester is England's um, oldest historic city and it was first populated by blah, blah, blah. And you, you kind of, you, you end up writing the page like a bad Wikipedia article, um, <laughs> which is what a lot of brands still do and get it wrong. Yeah. Um, that's, those differences really make the difference. And it, it can sometimes feel like, oh, I don't really want to spend time on this. But if you're a customer that lands on an area page for a small town, and actually it seems like this person actually might live in this area, the phone number is a local area code number, you know, you know where that testimonial, that where that person lives roughly, or you know that they're nearby, so you probably could. Do you know what I mean? It's that it's kind of increasing confidence as well. It's a, it, it comes down to kind of this is a, a mantra that I kind of constantly use in the podcast and in various other things that if you if you make the web a better place, if you make your website better, you will benefit from that. I mean, the we're kind of talking, I think, about something that used to call doorway pages, which I've never done. And I'm not just being Mr. You know, white Hat SEO. I've just never bothered. But you do still very occasionally see like a website and it'll have 200 pages all the same. And the only thing words they've changed out is the, the place name. Yeah. And the first thing is it's almost like seeing a museum exhibit when I see something like that. I'm like, why is someone still doing that? But surprisingly often, as you say, it'll be a major brand still doing it, in which case that's exciting. That's where we can do the punk rock marketing and that's where we can yep. make the web a better place by actually, we, it's it's real basic business marketing thing. It's pro- showing people around you that you're the best person to supply whatever it is you do. There's, there's no trickery here. There's no SEO magic. There's no secret source. There's no you know, cabal of geniuses figuring this out. It's just, do you know what? If people around you need their drains fixed, what are you going to do to show them that you're the right person yeah. and the best person to do it? Absolutely. And I think it's um, interestingly with, with some of those brands who have done that big sort of lazy broad brush strategy. One, uh, I spent some time about a year, 18 months ago, telling them to ditch that and moving to a, a quality based focus. And um, I still keep an eye on all of my old kind of, contracts i want to know well actually did it work um, is this because, one, one of the things a lot of us do it's because we are genuine seo geeks <laughs> we, we do get a kick out of this yeah well it's, it's and keeping an eye on it and is it working and and you know google does its algorithm updates we had a broad core update recently which what did that mean well we don't know yet except we know that search results have changed heavily in mm. the last week or so but every one of these broad core updates to that particular client or X client, that business, that brand, their local area pages have been gaining strength each time. Um, and the the lazy competition are slowly sinking. 
Um, and these tactics, while they work, people will still do them. Um, and actually the brands are able to do it quicker because, well, they just, they know they need to put a couple of grand aside for writing copy, um, build the websites and off it goes. Um, mm. So they can do it relatively quickly and for them relatively inexpensively. And while it works, it will, it will be done. Um, but any tactic that isn't, as you said, making the internet a better place or adding value, it's not that it won't work. It's it's that it won't endure and it won't last forever. Um, and there's one constant with all of my, the clients I've ever worked with is those businesses that do the better job and actually are better at doing what they do tend to do better, full stop. Um, yeah. As long as they're happy to talk about it. You know, it's really easy to do SEO for a great business. Um, okay, slight caveat, I don't work in casinos, online gambling, pharmaceuticals, or the really kind of seedy um, niches that a lot of the black hat trickery still is is almost a necessity. But in a lot of other niches, um, local businesses or national companies, just being the best at what you do is a great ranking factor. Um, yeah, it's a good message. Have to put that in inverted commas. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a good message. It's it's do good stuff. That's it. <laughs> you know, basically, Absolutely. I think the the role of, of SEOs is sometimes to make doing the good stuff efficient and uh, you know making it very good i don't know i I'm, i think i'm sort of I'm, my brain's dwindling a bit here but it's, <laughs> it's 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 an important it's an important kind of it's an important point to make i think yeah well come I in mean, the whole um since i've started sort of waxing lyrical about search intent and getting people to really focus on that in terms of um sort of keyword research keyword targeting and and how you plan content for your website it's a it's an odd one. It's one of these ones that you, you kind of pause and you think, so actually all I'm telling someone to do is make sure that the keyword is relevant to their customer at the point that they need them. And actually that feels like the most basic marketing consideration ever. Um, in fact, it's one of those problems or it, the SEO caused the problem in the first place. The whole reason <laughs> why we're having to re kind of teach people to do search intent properly is because actually for 10 or 15 years, Google wasn't good enough to understand the nuances and how people search for. So actually you could pick the most competitive keyword in your space, um, and try and rank for that. And that's probably what people, Google will serve people to. It won't understand the nuances well enough to express that. If that makes sense, it does. They they might not understand well enough now, but because the algorithm's consistently improving, that then it may well do at some point. And if yeah. you're doing good stuff, and if you are putting out good information, rather than doing, you know, some of the the more shortcut stuff, you're always going to benefit from that. I mean, there's I don't want to get into a whole black hat white hat thing. In fact, I ought to explain that quickly. Um, when SEOs talk about white hat or black hat, it actually comes from the Wild West movies in the 1920s. Did you know this? Um, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. So the, the cowboys, whenever you saw a cowboy with a black hat on, they were a baddie. If you saw a cowboy with a white hat on, it meant they were, they were a goodie. So in SEO terms, I mean, white hat, I, I try and steer steer away from the terms. I think it's a bit can be a bit divisive depending on who's talking about it. But white hat tends to be, in my opinion, making the web a better place. Black hat is doing whatever it takes to pull the wool over Google's eyes. And yeah. you know, Google has shown they've spent 20 years getting very good at removing wool. <laughs> you know, <and> they're only <laughs> they're only gonna get better. Yeah. So yeah. Good SEO it's, might might be resource heavy, but it's such a good long long term investment. Mm. Well, the I think that that the sort of the arms race I call it between um, what with Black Hat and and Google will always continue. You know, the 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 methods of Black Hat are, are more growing more and more sophisticated. Um, 
But there are a lot of people out there who don't think there's such a thing as white hat SEO at all, um, in the sense that if they're kind of classifying our job is to manipulate Google in any, or not manipulate Google, manipulate how well our websites are received by Google, then then is that all shades of grey with you know, not to invoke that that particular um, analogy, oh, but we haven't even talked about grey hat. But no, you come back on the sophistication side. Actually, the the one of the examples, my, one of my favourites, um, mainly favourites because it, it helped remove some of my own ignorances. I had um, a, a client a little while back that had a a um, product called Brow Wax. Um, and it was wax for eyebrows to shape them, um, right. which, which was kind of new on me. Um, but for, as part of the keyword research and how we set up the tracking for that particular product, we were tracking it for brow wax and brow waxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, unknown to me at the time, um, they're different, obviously. You know, well, I say obviously now, it's obvious to me now, but you know, brow <laughs> wax shapes eyebrows and brow waxing removes eyebrows in various degrees. Now, when we actually started the project, which must have been, what, about two-ish years ago now, maybe slightly longer, um, Google ranked that product page under both searches, brow wax and brow waxing. Mm. And um, I can't remember which update it was, but following an update, it dropped for brow waxing and not for brow wax. And when we actually looked at the search results for brow wax, it knew Google knew that it was a product. Yeah. But it also put in some local results for where you could go and get your eyebrows waxed as well. And I kind of thought of that. That was like a just-in-case sort of box. Mm. But for the term brow waxing, there was no ambiguity. Google was treating that as you were searching for somewhere to shape or remove your eyebrows. There was no mentions of little pots of wax or anything like that and and actually that's a really that's a kind of a critical sort of point in you know just the suffix like ing makes a massive difference to keywords and what people are searching for and what people mean Mm. um and that level of detail um we all need to adopt as standard um which actually is, is a lot easier if you're a smaller business with a smaller remit because um well you've got you you've got time to know your space really intimately um, if you are a big e-commerce retailer and you've got you know tens of thousands of products or you know hundreds of categories, and you'll never be able to know all of your keywords with that detail and that mm. well enough. Um, and and a lot of people are still missing out there. But you know, if Google can tell the difference in those because it recognises the customer can tell the difference in those, then then that needs to be reflected um, by our own sites fundamentally. So you're saying run a good business, know your topic, know your customers. And then you're just really reflecting that onto your website, aren't you? You say, yeah. you, you say it sounds like kind of <laughs> obvious marketing, but it's, it's not always for a lot of people. Because I think, unfortunately, the early days of SEO, the, the message that, that was sent out, God knows, I don't know by who, but the message that was sent out is, ah, to rank, you need to do these tricks. Yeah. And it's, yes, it may have been the case. I'm going back to like 1998, you know, <laughs> Back then, people just used to put the word "sex" all over their page as a, a fundamental kind of that. That's kind of the 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 the, the nadir of search intent that you know putting something on your site that you're not selling in order yeah. to bring traffic it's completely irrelevant. <laughs> but anyway, the, yeah. the the point is that <laughs> it's it, it's kind of like the the message hasn't changed. Do good stuff, but Google's just getting better at, at yeah. you know giving you a nod and a wink when they yeah. see you are doing good stuff. And I think the, the the trick is and where you can really get ahead. So assume that every business in your space is doing good stuff fundamentally. The mm. bit that will get you further ahead is, well, you know, if you spent all of your day job becoming really good at what it is that you do, well, actually, if you can find 10 or 20% or find the time for someone else to come in and, and 
then show Google the good stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's, that's, the, that's the other disconnect is if you do lots of great stuff, but you don't make it easy for Google to see or identify that. Um, and that's more of what technical SEO is now, I guess, is actually, well, okay, you're doing the great stuff. Well, how do we show Google all of the great stuff that you're doing and make sure that that works for you in the best way it can? Um, and that's, that's the, I think that's the real distinction. And that's why a lot of the advice and talks that I give and the industry gives, actually, we give away virtually like 90% of the knowledge that you need um, to do it. But very often, it's the time, the inclination, and then the knowledge for that extra 10% is what's missing. I think that's probably kind of quite a good note to end on. I think as a summary for search intent, could you squeeze it into one sentence? I know you've already said the sentence probably about 10 (laughs) times, but if someone skipped to the end, it'd be good good to give them something actionable, a nice nugget that they can take away and use. So to use um, search intent for you and and to make it work for you, that that, that was the prelude, that wasn't the actual sentence. Um, (laughs) You need to forget what you think you know about it and search it and look at what Google is looking to return um, as results for whatever key term search phrase that it is that you're going to do, you're going to, your customers are going to use. Um, and that's so you can understand how can you be the best result for that term for the, based on the intent that Google's displaying. Bang. Perfect. Be the best result that Google can return. That's it. That's, that's a cracking sentence, right? There you go. So this could be the last ever episode of the podcast now. Chris has just nailed it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all of it, yes. It's, 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 if only it was that easy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Chris, I really appreciate your time. Thank, thanks again. It's been really no, it's interesting. Is there anything, point. Thanks. Is there anything you want to add just before we sign off? Um, I, I, I think... There's, I mean, it wouldn't be a podcast at this time without saying, you know, the, the long-term benefit of being seen online. Um, and, the, you know, we're kind of saying what's been the biggest part for any business is digital transformation. Hasn't been any business owner, hasn't been any consultant. It's been COVID-19. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the long-term benefits of being findable online easily, whether it's via SEO or whatever, is, is unparalleled. So um, there is never a, it's never too late to invest in SEO. Um, so I would suggest we kind of get on it. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you'd like to find out more about Chris and Footprint Digital, have a look at footprintdigital.co.uk. One of the really great things about Footprint Digital site is the education section. Footprint and Chris and me, and to be fair, a lot of people in SEO, we give away a lot of free information. It's all just there for you. Go find it. And when you get stuck, ask us questions. We're we're friendly. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Chris. You're going to say goodbye? Thanks for having me. That was good. Thanks for having me. Okay, brilliant. Thanks a lot.